Welcome to the Freaky Film Club. I am your host, Jeremy Jordan. And today, we are taking a look at a film from 1985, Silver Bullet. And I am joined by my friends from the other film club. <laughs> We've got The OG. <laughs> <laughs> We've got David, Derek, and Mike. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hi. Good to be back. So for this episode, I am going to be handing the reins over to Mike as you took the detailed notes this time and you're going to lead us. Nice. Yeah, and feel free to chip in and to add other things if I missed it. Anybody. Just before we start, too, I want to point out the last recording, Texas Chainsaw. I got some good comments, so if you see this, you know, feel free to to leave a comment and uh, uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel uh, for sure and hit the like button. Absolutely. So do we want to talk about first where we first saw this, first viewing moments? Sure. Um, I mean, actually, this was the first time me watching this film. So I didn't know what... I was never really into werewolf type of films that much going into this. I saw Teen Wolf, actually, for the first (laughs) time not that long ago with Michael J. Fox, and I was not really a fan of it. (laughs) It was a fun watch, you know, but... uh, Going into this one, I didn't really didn't know what to expect, but uh, yeah. I saw this on a Sunday afternoon when I, some point when I was a kid. It did actually get a theatrical release, but I saw it, like I said, it was, you know, during the school year where I had to get up the next day. And so like, I remember thinking, oh, this is a really cool movie, but I can't enjoy it to its fullest because I, I've got the, like the Sunday blues at the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. I th- think I probably caught it during a fear fest, but it would have probably been like background noise or like bits and pieces of it at the time. So never really watched it like all the way full with my full attention until this past couple days ago for the mm-hmm. film club. I actually watched it just today for the first time. Didn't know much about it. I knew it was a Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought it was a TV movie, but I saw that um, it did have a theatrical release as well. So just yeah. saw it today. I mean, on a side note, I mean, I saw Gary Bussey. How do you say his last name? <laughs> do you Bussey? see? Lucy, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Anything with him is, I mean, Lethal Weapon, man. That was Hell yeah. <laughs> he always adds some nice flair to things. He really does, yeah. Apparently, too, when they were shooting this, uh, he was ad-libbing a lot of his lines. And uh, the director and St- uh, Stephen King, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen King, they both, they liked his ad-libs, and so a lot of his ad-libs stayed in the film. Neat. That was great casting. I mean, he is the perfect drunk uncle. Like, well, I, I mean, that's the type it. of uncle you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, especially that uh, the, what he built for his nephew there, mm -hmm. which we'll discuss pretty soon here. So, so Mike, sure. So, uh, do you want me to go over the cast? Sure. Yeah. Why okay. Not? We can do that. So, I mean, the film kind of opens up with just the main credits, uh, the primary characters, Gary Busey, like we said, he plays Uncle Red. Um, Corey Haim plays Marty. Um, Terry O'Quinn is in there. He plays the sheriff of the town. Um, I didn't catch the name of the sister, the actress who plays the sister. Megan um, Follows. Okay, Jane is the sister of Marty. And then, um, you know, there were some other, was it Everett McGill? Was that his mm -hmm. name? Yeah. Plays the reverend in the town. And then another person that I knew was the Tova Feldsha character who played uh, Marty and Jane's mom. Um, I, I have Tova as the adult Jane. So the mom was playing the, the, the voiceover of the adult Jane as well? Yeah, I thought I saw that she was the mom and the voice of Jane. The narrator, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only other character that really stood out to me was Terry O'Quinn from Lost. Like, oh yeah, that's the guy from Lost. Mm. So. You know what? Maybe that wasn't the mom. I don't think that was. Yeah, I'm wrong. That wasn't. She just did the narration. Hmm. Mm. Um, anyway, so yeah, the, the film opens up with uh, a shot of the full moon, and they're introducing the main credits. Um, then it uh, starts with some, the narration, the voiceover, uh, who we don't know who that is yet. Um, they say it's spring 1976 in this town. I don't recall them ever saying what state this is in did it's anybody in Maine. big shocker is it Maine? <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> yeah so stephen king's he sets all of his stories in like the small town new england and so this is sort of that setting okay okay um and the town's called what tarker's mill something sounds, like that sounds about right to me all right and then just the narration just gets into, you know, this is when the nightmare began. Yeah. Um, spring of 1976, a little bit before school got out um, for the town. Which is where, we we're, see, where we're at in, in real life. We're about a few weeks before school gets out. Then we see uh, um, this railroad worker. Um, kind of the requisite drunk character <laughs> yeah. um, reciting a I think he was saying Rheingold I've never heard of that a beer commercial I'm assuming okay. is that an actual brand I don't know I don't drink I'm not sure I've never heard of that either I haven't either so yeah he was clearing off the railroad track there was some dirt on one of the tracks there and he kind of um Here's some noises coming from somewhere in the background. Um, then he sees a footprint. Yeah. Um, and to me, it looked like my interpretation, at least, was that he knew 
what that was, or he knew it was something that was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Is that how you guys took it? I didn't take it, honestly. I thought, I thought he was like, oh, some kids or somebody is running through here, like high schoolers or is trying to, I don't know, or playing around the area. I actually didn't think that at first. Okay. I had had the idea that maybe he suspected. Yeah. It seemed like he knew Yeah. that he was going to die. I mean, maybe that's why he got hacked so quick. (laughs) Right. Oh shit. (laughs) So, so he was abruptly decapitated. Yeah. And his head went flying. Slow motion. Yeah. And (laughs) it was awesome. We 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 see some of the other townspeople. They start to hear some howling in the background, Um, and then a kind of an oddly. I thought an oddly grouped together shots of showing ants crawling on the guy's head. Um, and then yeah. the, the narrator talked again about how it was kind of just chalked up to, you know, he was drunk and it was an accident, you yeah. know, and nobody was really surprised. So nobody really was suspecting anything yet yeah. at this mm-hmm. there was a part. There was a part in that scene that I actually really liked. That was like a good like transition into like, so you saw the train coming and then you saw that beetle, I think it was like a beetle or some type of bug. And then that thing got squashed. And that was pretty much an indication that that train, I think was going to squash that guy's head. When sure, that happened, uh, it was like the, the beetle was after that. Yeah. I, I was, it, I kept thinking it was like, okay, that's pretty much what just happened to that guy's head. The beetle was representing oh. what just happened. But okay. they didn't, so instead of that, the guys actually head getting smushed, they just showed the beetle getting yeah. run over instead. That's kind of what I was thinking was, was they were going for. That's interesting because I was actually going to say I I don't I didn't get the point of that. Why did they have okay. to show a bug getting run over by the yeah. kid on the bike? Yeah, that was my interpretation of just like oh that guy's head just got just run over by the train, and they yeah. just represented it with the bug instead. So that was the opening scene, pretty much, and then we start to see the town a little bit. Um, they have a town fair going on, and that's when the narrator introduces herself. We realize that she is a, a main character, or she's going to be a main character in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, this was spring 1976. I'm assuming the movie, the narration is taking place in present day, so this is like nine years after um these events mm-hmm. um so then we see the family we meet the family uh at the fair I um, like i said marty, marty played by Corey Haim, and his parents and then jane the narrator um we also meet brady who is marty's best friend um oh, yeah. they are kind of looking to play a prank on jane um, they they find a snake in the grass and they pick it up and they Brady goes up into a tree and they lure Jane over and they scare her with it and she and ends up just, um, just before that Jane was tr- by some high school boys trying to sort of impress them so I think that's again one of the reasons why she gets so upset and then she gets scared by the snake and. <laughs> She falls down into a bunch of mud and then later into a puddle, so her clothes are completely wrecked. 
Mm -hmm. um, I feel like Brady could have done a better job of, at hiding his, himself in that tree. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty clear, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how she got fooled there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Marty made it clear that he wasn't, he didn't agree with taking it that far. It was Brady that was more taking over. Um, then there was kind of an unusual scene, I thought, where um, Jane goes under a tree to kind of collect herself, um, uh -huh. dry her clothes off a little bit, and she overhears an argument between... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't really call them a couple anymore, but a man and a woman, the man is denying paternity, and, um, and what is that? That does like the, the gesture thing. I think I have that enabled. Uh -oh. Sorry. Uh -oh. <laughs> I was, so, yeah. I made sorry. like the shape of a thumbs up and it made the thumbs up emoji. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. And, okay. And, and, and then, uh. You know, he says it's I'm it's not my baby. You're taking care of it yourself, pretty much. Yeah. Um, mm. And then he leaves her, and the woman is crying, and Jane witnesses this. Mm -hmm. And that was about that. Um, then they 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 had a um, discussion. Uh, Jane's talking to the parents about she's mad about the prank, you and that's when we kind of see that. At least in my opinion, um, the parents are extremely biased towards Marty. You know, they, yeah. they, they definitely cut him more breaks and, um, at least the mom does, mm -hmm. yeah. cut, cuts him more breaks and does not really see things on the side of Jane. Um, okay, uh, just to bring up a point, um, I'm not sure if you, if you mentioned this, but um, so Marty is crippled, uh, and so that's one reason his mom, the mom, is ultra sensitive. Uh, so when they're in the car, um, she makes a remark about him being crippled, and um, the mother threatens to smack the sister. Uh, so what did you think of that? That uh, we're in an in an era uh, where. It's fine if your parents smacks the kid. It was it was a little much, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> at that point. I, I can't remember. Did the father, because they were in the car together, but did the father say anything? The remark about any I, of that? The father never he never says uh, he never says anything. Okay. Uh, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, I think it was. Um, Steven Spielberg recently said that he regrets editing out the guns, the yeah. police officers' guns in E.T. because a film is like a historical document of that time and place. So, like, <laughs> this is supposed to be, well, it's filmed in the 80s, but it's supposed to be set in the 70s. And a, a parent threatening to smack their kid is, was completely acceptable. Like, that would have been, that that seemed time. completely normal. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Sure. Yeah. Wait, I. I don't know what you're talking about with the E.T. stuff. They edited out the guns? Yeah, there were scenes that were taken out. When they re-released E.T. a few years ago, there, the police officers had guns, and then he thought that that would scare children, so they edited the guns out of the re-release. <laughs> now he regrets that. 
Good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they should re-release yeah. it again with the guns added back in. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I got it on VHS. <laughs> I got it on VHS. I got that copy. <laughs> Is that worth money now? Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, too, I mean, there's a difference between threatening to hit and actually hitting, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure parents just say stuff like that sometimes. To calm them down or make them listen, yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as the dad saying anything, I don't know if he actually did say anything in this particular yeah, exchange, but he pretty much back. always just agreed with the mom. Uh. So whatever <laughs> she said, he said. So. Yeah. You know, he he didn't really have much of a independent thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I'm gonna take this down a little avenue here that I didn't intend to. That's all right. <laughs> Since we're talking about this, was that something that you guys were ever threatened with, or were you guys ever hit when you were younger? No. Mm. Mm-mm. It was pretty much go in the corner or you're stuck in your room, but I'm like, I'm stuck in my room. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I've got yeah. electronics. And <laughs> yeah. But no, nothing, nothing ever like that. I mean, there's always the old thing like, oh, you're going to get the belt or something like that that I've heard from people, but to the point that it ever happened. Oh, no. I had a Did they say that uh, to you, Derek? Did they say No, that not to me. You? Just like, okay. like for... Uh, example with my wife, like her, like her and her brothers were growing up. That was always something with her parents. That was just a threat, but it never yeah. actually happened. Sure. Yeah, my mom uh, and dad spanked me. Uh, my mom claims to this day she has no memory of it, of <laughs> doing that. And then I had a crazy um, babysitter. Uh, so my brother and I have a twin brother, and she was like, like sadistic. And uh, she actually, she tied us to a, a signpost to the a, a stop sign across the street. So when our mom, what? when our mom drove up, we were tied to the, to the stop sign across the street. <laughs> and then one time uh, she actually, I have a clear memory of this. She put us in the oven. What? She, yeah, she <laughs> oh my God. My brother and I <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> threatened that she was going to turn it on. And obviously didn't, but just like would do things to completely scare the ass out of us. And yeah, it was it's, it was traumatic. It's yeah. like the witch from Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Oh my well, god. Hold on here. There's two sides to every story. What were you guys doing to her, Damon? Uh we didn't mess with her because we were afraid of her. So she was uh, just nuts. Yeah, she there was something wrong with this person, yeah. What? <laughs> It's a cold how, get in the how oven. How old do you think she was? Uh, probably ten years older than uh, we were. You know, huh. ten or okay. eleven. Yeah. When my dad died, she was at the funeral, and I almost went up to her and, and said, "Like, what? What was? What were you doing to us when we were kids like that? Like, that was yeah. just crazy." Like, what was you going know, through the, your the, mind? What? Did you hear what he said, Damon? What was what? No, I didn't. I think Derek asked what was going through your mind. No, that was just like what was going. It's just like saying like what was going through their mind or yeah, like your mind. Oh, I too, thought like you meant to Damon. No, uh, just the the person who was doing that to him. 
my through my mind it was just pure terror we were like yeah we were very very frightened of her yeah these days i feel like that would be headline news the oven story (laughs) oh it would (laughs) yeah nowadays this clickbait right there right (laughs) (laughs) it really is jeez all right um let's see where was i here so yeah they had the argument in the car um and yeah, I did not mention yet that, that Marty's in the wheelchair, so it's good that you said that. Um, then they talk about Uncle Red, the Gary Busey character, how he, I guess he was supposed to come over. Um, he's not. They kind of show that he's got some problems. Um, I, like three, third divorce, he's getting divorced Something. again. And he's um, the brother of the mom, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and and you can tell that Marty has a special connection to him because he seems pretty upset that he's not coming over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can we point out that how epic Marty's wheelchairs are? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, did we have we seen at this point that? I mean, I guess we've Just the seen one that at this point in. that it's a gas-powered yeah. wheelchair. Yeah. At this mm-hmm. point, we have. Which is, I've never heard of. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, let's see. Oh, and then, so in the middle of the night, uh, Marty comes into Jane's room, gives her a couple bucks um, to pay for the pantyhose that were ruined in the puddle. And then Jane, you know, takes only what it actually costs. So she's like obviously a- forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a dollar forty three cents or something, dollar and forty three cents or something like that. But I'm like, mm-hmm. that's that's what was ruined. The pantyhose. That's what you. What about the actual like outfit? Isn't that what was? Well, ruined? I think that will wash out. <laughs> I, I would think. But the pantyhose, I, I guess, could have been damaged easier. Yeah. I'm assuming the pantyhose were torn. That's probably, probably yeah. why. Um. Yeah, now Marty and her, they, they kind of established that her and Marty have a a pretty good relationship, you know, brother and sister relationship. Um, I really liked this family. Like, there was a lot more. There was a lot of warm moments in this, like more so uh-huh. than I would have ever imagined for being a movie about, you know, a werewolf. Right. Like even Marty's character, like you can tell he actually does care and like when his sister was pushed down like he didn't actually like that it's like oh well, that was actually too much right yeah i should point out too may, you guys might not be aware uh, so cory it's cory Haim is in this film uh he was one of the two corys with cory feldman and back in the, in the 80s they they were big big stars mm-hmm. um they were on the cover of every teen magazine you know every week so they're as the big as stars as you could be. Was this before Lost Boys? I, I think it was Lost Boys kind of launched them okay. into that mega status, yeah. Uh, okay, then it then it goes to um, we. There's a thunderstorm rolling in. Um, we see this farmhouse, and then we see a woman who's upstairs in her bedroom. Um, she's taking a bunch of pills, you know, intends to kill herself. This Um, was the woman from the park who 
Jane overheard. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, this is the the same woman from the argument we heard earlier with the paternity. Um, she's mad about the the whole relationship situation. Um, and then we see kind of shots of, you know, a hand, uh, like a werewolf hand. Um, I don't know. Is this the one where the werewolf climbed up the trellis? Is that yeah. yeah, I was climbing yeah. up to the top where she was. What did you and guys then, think of that? That shot like just, of, of, the, of the werewolf climbing? I didn't actually think they were going to show, like, the actual, like, hands off of it. I thought it was just be, like, a shaky camera, like, kind of looking up, going up, you know. I didn't actually expect to see the furry, furry werewolf hand. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I thought it yeah. was kind of funny, actually. Like, yeah, there was... see that much of it. <laughs> it, it, it was kind of one of those things where I thought, like, oh, maybe they'll kind of go into this, like, Jaws where you don't actually see... What the monster is, you know, at all, for at least until later on. There was some, uh, in terms of the look of the werewolf, there was some uh, disagreement amongst uh, the director and Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King apparently kind of wanted it to look like a, like a black bear, and uh, the director, the original director, actually I think left um, the production and. Uh, the general consensus was maybe the it wasn't such a good-looking uh, werewolf suit, so maybe that's why they kind of try to shoot around it as much as yeah. they could. Sure. One critic referred to it as uh, Smokey the Bear with a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> yeah. The original director, too, um, it was uh, the guy that did Phantasm, Don Cos- Coscarelli, I think his mm-hmm. last name is. Just a fun fact. Yeah. Nice. I should add, too, that that this woman's mother's downstairs playing the piano. Um, So the woman is upstairs, like we said. Um, The werewolf's climbing the trellis upstairs to her window. Um, uh, Very quickly, werewolf comes through the window. Blitz attack, gruesome attack as well. The mom it was, hears yeah. all this commotion upstairs, grabs a gun. Right? She grabbed a gun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, comes upstairs, opens the door, finds the, the her daughter, you know, dead on the bed, yeah. you know, gruesomely killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty graphic scene for the time i think it was you know? I, I, yeah uh then we then we move to the we we meet the sheriff that's the terry o'quinn character um did you say it derek you knew him from lost did you say yeah that? he was like one of the yeah. main guys from the series lost then i'm like right. yeah that thought uh, yeah. he looked familiar i i i love that show mm. um so yeah, and he's just on the phone. I don't know who he was talking to, but he was yelling at somebody. Um, and that was just introducing him as the character. Then we go to um, the town bar. Um, and there's just some 
characters arguing with each other. I don't remember specifically what it was about. I don't know if any of you do. They're angry uh, that there's a killer inside their small town and that the police don't seem to know what's going on. Okay. They're not trying hard enough. Yeah. So they just kind of established that, that there's unhappiness with the way law enforcement is handling this. Um, then we cut to what looks like school letting out for the summer, um, the last day of school. We see the where Marty's really flying in his wheelchair. Um, his friend calls him Madman Marty in the Silver Bullet. So that's when yep. we first kind of learn the name of the, where the name of the movie comes from. Insert the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of him pointing at the TV screen. <laughs> it's like, they, they said it, they said it. <laughs> the title of the movie, there it is. <laughs> um, and then uh, I think the next scene was Marty going, um, walking, well, he's not walking, but, you know, taking Tammy, his, uh, were they dating? I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, she does kiss him. Okay. They must have um, had some type of close relationship at that point. Yeah, so so he, I guess she had just asked him to take her home because she was troubled by the murder of the woman um, that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. The police were still on the scene, you know, taking um, care of that. Marty and the girl actually ride past the house that has been attacked and it has police tape all over it. So it kind of, it's kind of an eerie situation for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think freaks freaked her out a little bit. That's why she was happy that Marty stayed with her to walk home. We meet, I think her name was Tammy. I, I may not have been. It's what it sounds like. I think it was Tammy. Me. I think it was Tammy. Yeah. We meet her father. He seems like a real guy, a nice guy. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Again, always... One thing I noticed about this movie is a lot of people drink. <laughs> Isn't that like another big Stephen King trope? He always is it? I don't like know. like a crazy alcoholic. <laughs> is that like a thing that he has in a lot of his stories? I think it is. I think he includes like a lot of like either like religious nuts or like alcoholics. <laughs> okay. Or sometimes at the same time. <laughs> yeah. The dad says to Marty, quote, damn cripples always end up on welfare while he's drinking alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say at that point, I'm like, dude, this guy's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, yeah after that, kind of um, uh, there was kind of a funny scene. Marty stops to get gas for his wheelchair <laughs> at a gas station. <laughs> um, pulls up to the station just like he would in a car. Hey, and then he meets the, the attendant. They still had a, an attendant. Oh, yeah. That was a nice, wholesome moment. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they had a funny exchange with, you they know, did, yeah. doing the windshield and... Um, I forgot what else he said. Did he oh, say, check like, the oil your, and all your that. bullshit meter too. Right, right, right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 
And I don't know the name of that guy, but he's de- that actor's been in a ton of stuff. I've seen him I, in a lot of things. I immediately thought of Mrs. Doubtfire because I know he was in that. That's what I oh, recognized was he in that? him from. Yeah, he played like the old guy who did like the dinosaur show TV show. Oh, like, oh right, right, yeah. yeah. That's right. the only thing that popped in my head. But I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure he's been in a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um. Okay, then we uh, cut to. Um, Marty finally gets to spend some time with his Uncle Red, the Gary Busey character. They're playing cards in the living room. But then we also see that, you know, uh, he might not be the best influence because, you know, I think he... I mean, he's doing a lot of drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, I should point out, too, he's drinking straight out of a bottle of wild turkey. Which is, uh, if you've ever had wild turkey, is one of the, the most difficult shots to take. And he's just huh. swig after swig out, out of wild turkey. Huh. Oh. Uh, and then uh, the, they, you know, the, the, the mom or Red's sister and him have kind of an argument about, you know, she basically says, get your act together. You know, yeah, the camera influence. Can they- in this particular scene, the camera keeps um, going to close-ups of the mom's face, and she's got this really concerned look on her face as though um, uh, Marty is going to pick up the drinking habit. And I should say, state too earlier, Jane mentioned that Uncle Red had been is going through his third divorce. So that's kind of a, you know who, who Red is. Mm-hmm. Next, we go to a scene of the of Tammy's dad, the one we talked about before, the one who is drinking a lot as well, and then insulted Marty with the cripple reference. Um, he's watching wrestling by by himself in his living room, drinking. Um, starts hearing noises. Um, they made it clear earlier that. Uh, Tammy was kind of afraid of something might be in the the greenhouse or some outbuildings yeah. they had. Um, so the the dad starts hearing noises from there, um, takes a, a gun off the rack, and goes outside and starts investigating. And he goes into the greenhouse. He's in there for a while. It was like a two or three minute long scene and then we see the werewolf kind of peeking through the floorboards Mm -hmm. I don't know how this building was I guess it has a basement but um, yeah then he starts uh, just getting kind of paranoid hearing noises flower pots start falling on the floor Um, the whole building started shaking actually Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh the werewolf ends up coming through the floor, grabbing the guy, and the guy is impaled on one of the floorboards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got what was coming coming to him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there I think a lot of dry eyes when he died. <laughs> Lots of dry eyes. Next we go to a scene of um Marty and Brady. They're flying kites in the park. Um, 
And then just Jane's coming over just to get him for dinner. Another scene, too, where they kind of demonstrate that Jane's mom is unfair to her because she mm-hmm. made a remark how, oh, she's mad at me because I didn't find you soon enough, which is, like, ridiculous. Right? Yeah. I've got kind of a side thing about this real quick. Have any of you guys ever flown a kite with one of your friends? Sadly, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I've flown a kite once with my sister, but that's the only time I can ever remember flying a kite. Like, I just can't imagine, like, going out as a kid and being like, hey, buddy, like, let's go out in this field somewhere and fly our kites around. Let's fly this kite. <laughs> Uh, that's a good point. Uh, it speaks to um, nostalgia for the 80s. Because right now, there currently is a lot of nostalgia for TV shows. A lot of TV shows and movies try to set it, set it themselves in the 80s. And um, I th- I've been thinking about this um, a lot. And I think one of the reasons, one of the big reasons is, is because it was the last time of innocence before sort of the internet took over. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you would do things, yeah, you would fly a kite with your friends because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have movies on your phone, and you didn't have drones and things like that. So that was entertainment, was flying, you know, flying a kite yeah. with a friend. Sure. Um, and that was pretty much the whole point of that scene, just that they're flying kites. They Then they kind of, I thought it was odd. I understood why later, but they... they focused for a long time on Brady flying the kite by himself after after uh, Marty left. I, I didn't get the point of that until later. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, Brady was in the zone. <laughs> he, oh, he yeah. was in the He was flying the <laughs> shit out of that kite. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never flown a kite before. I, I, I never actually have done anything like that. I never had one. I was um, trying to master it at that point, but yeah. 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 Then we go to, uh, there's another bar scene, um, an argument between the a deputy. And I don't know if, if we ever caught this guy's name, we probably did, but he, he ends up becoming like kind of the spokesperson for the bar patrons. Um, it was, his name was mentioned. I believe, but I can't think of it offhand. I thought it was like, it wasn't Andy or anything like that, but it wasn't. Well, he anything. becomes kind of the, 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 the loud mouth for the, this uprising. Yeah. Now. Um, and then, uh, Brady's dad comes into the bar, um, just asking if anybody's seen his son. Um, and that's when we kind of realized that, something's wrong mm-hmm. um and just a little sidebar with that the moment i saw that actor um i was a little disturbed just because i don't know his name but i've seen him in a lot of other things but what i remember him from he was in a an episode of law and order svu mm-hmm. and he played it was a really shows you that sometimes Maybe you just shouldn't play certain characters, but he played a pedophile who uh, I, a piano teacher who molested boys oh. on the SVU oh. episode, and 
whenever I see that guy, that's what I think of. That's I what mean, pops he, in your mind. Yeah, he did a good job playing the character, but I don't think he'd want to be associated with that. <laughs> this is the father <laughs> of the, the the dad you're talking about. Brady's right, dad. right. He was Brady's bald. Dad. He had a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 was in that Law and Order episode. <laughs> um. Anyway, he comes in uh, asking if anybody's seen him, and then that's when we see the sheriff, Terry O'Quinn character, sheriff. I forgot his name. Anybody remember the sheriff's name? Sheriff uh, Joe Holler. Okay. Yeah. Sheriff Joe Holler, uh, he's in the park where Brady was, um, and he's saying a prayer, Hail Mary, Um and then we see that Brady uh, Mary, of God. is is dead. They didn't show it in Brady detail. No. But from a distance, you can see a body no, laying in this gazebo. Him. And um, then the the dad rolls up in the car, um, and he you know has a uh, an anguishing moment. You know, looking at his son again. We never see what he looks like, but you can imagine it's 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 ugly. They said it was like torn apart in the pieces, or right? Torn apart or something, right? I believe. Right. Yeah. So then they 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 next go to the funeral service for Brady in the church. That's when we see the. Well, that's when we get really introduced to the reverend. Um, yeah. For the the local town. Um. And he made, I, I didn't write it down, maybe Damon, you did, because there was probably a point to it. But he made a statement about the beast, you know. I, yeah, he did says, you get uh, it? Uh, the face of the beast always becomes known. That That's what he says. In, well, he's, uh, I thought he had another part to it. That's what I wrote down. The face okay. Of the, also, Red, Uncle Red is sipping from a flask while at church. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, put yeah. it back. He, he was, was going to. thinking about uh, it, right? And then right. he puts it back. Yeah. Because after the lecture with his sister, he was saying, yeah, I got to be a better influence. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, he did put it back. That's good. I'm glad you said that. Um, let's see. Where am I here? Um. Okay, then Marty, and this was a scene I'd like to talk with you guys about. Marty mentions he is thinking that these killings are not a person. He thinks that it is a werewolf, and he talks about that with, with his uncle. My, the reason I'm asking is, so far, there was never any indication that Marty was interested in this type of stuff, right? I mean, the only, like, main uh, uh, representation of him being worried was when he first saw the house where that one woman was murdered uh, as she was taking Tammy home because he kept staring at it for a while. And then she brought up, like, oh, I heard noises in the shed over there. That was the only, like, yeah. real main thing that introduced it to him. But I don't think I would think werewolf on the top of my head off that. Yeah. But well, and what did. I, what I was also 
referring to like it's not like he had like you know like like werewolf posters on his bedroom walls or something or like they never indicated that he was like into that type of stuff right um so i thought i didn't get like you know he just jumped to it like didn't that seem like that's what happened like you said it derek but what about you guys didn't it seem like he just kind of came to that conclusion out of nowhere i think from the way i took it it was kind of like it was kind of like showing that he has intuition um for instance uh in the earlier uh in the movie when they with the scene when um red is drinking the wild turkey bottle um he says the mom doesn't seem to um uh, think much of marty's ability um red responds by telling uh the mother that there's more to marty than his his inability to work to walk so maybe kind of showing that marty has these sort of these gifts and this is one of his gifts is uh he kind of knows that there's something strange and it's kind of like you know like uh his childlike innocence the the adults can't see what the kid what the kids can see you know when they're seeing Uh these bodies being ripped to pieces and their their imaginations could never wrap themselves around that a werewolf could actually be doing this. But because he's a child, he has this this gift of innocence where he would think like, because I think he's supposed to be 11 years old and his sister's supposed to be 15. So an 11-year-old would think like maybe, you know, maybe it's a, were, it's a werewolf, you know, whereas an adult would never think that. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you clearly see in uh, his uncle's character. Like he thinks that's like, what are you kidding? But do you think this is a joke? There's no mm-hmm. way that's the situation. So, okay, yeah, and so he, they have that discussion. Yeah, and then, like you said, Derek, um, Red is not believing any of that. But at least it's getting the story, you know, kind of moving forward. Um, then we move to uh, the bar again. Um, things are getting heated. Um, after so many deaths now the town is getting frustrated and then you add that they're all drinking um, so they start to um, form a militia essentially um, the sheriff walks in has a confrontation with the leader of this militia um, and you know he's the sheriff's telling them that you know, you got to let us handle it. Let us do our jobs. Let us do the investigation. You you can't be vigilantes, essentially. Yeah. Pri- private justice, as they put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that. And then there was a very unusual exchange. I thought it wasn't very effective. Um, where I, I didn't get this, and maybe you guys can make me understand it better but someone told the militia guy to shut up i think the the bartender the one who had the peacemaker bat uh-huh. he told the head militia guy to shut up and 
Then Brady's dad is back. He comes back to the bar and he tells him to shut up too. Shut up, Andy. No, don't but, tell me to shut up. Yes. But yeah. then he goes into this this it didn't make any sense because really he was telling the sheriff to shut up because he didn't agree with right the sheriff. Yeah. I didn't understand that either. Like they're on the same side. Like Okay, good. I'm yeah, glad you caught yeah. that too. I, I didn't understand any of that. I think um, it, was it supposed to be just like a general, like everyone in this room, shut up, because I've got the most weighty thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Are you are you referring to when the bartender first said shut up? I was referring to the la like when his dad came, the, the father, like his shut up was just like a general. Now everyone just shut. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, either yeah. it was a bit confusing though. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the way that they did it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I he, wouldn't... he Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it, no. Now they now that I'm thinking about it, because this because you you guys are talking about when his father's in the corner and then he like overhears them arguing, and he's like everybody just shut up, mm -hmm. and then he's just trying to get his point across, saying what everybody needs to be doing is going. But out nobody there and was talking him. at that time. That's why <laughs> it was it was, it was, just, it, was just the, it was just the guy who was the leader of the or eventually it becomes he is the leader. Yeah, and draws those people out. It's primarily him talking and telling the sheriff. I like, guess. Hey, yeah, I mean that's really the only. I, I don't sensible know. explanation. <laughs> yeah, um, I need to rewatch that part. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, then then the father, Brady's father, goes into this, you know, emotional speech, again, which I didn't think was very effective. Um, but he talks to the. Well, I'll tell you why in a little bit. But okay. he 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 talks to the sheriff about. You. You talk to my son about private justice. You, you dig him out of the ground and talk to him about private justice. And you know he's basically saying, "I'm gonna get this guy." You know, I'm yeah. I'm going to, you know, how dare you talk to me as a grieving parent? Mm -hmm. uh, that we're gonna handle it the legal way. You know. Um, I didn't think that was a very well done scene, particularly just, I, I just think the, the, was it his delivery of how he did it? It was that the was delivery, like... but, but also just his point, uh, his uh -huh. point just fell flat. I, I, it, I mean, dig my son up and tell him that's not going to happen. I mean, it's a pointless thing to say. You know, it just kind of fell flat for me. Like, you're not you're you're saying this hypothetical situation. You know that that is impossible. You mm -hmm. know, the kid's dead. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I understand that he just lost his son in a horrible way. I, I get that, but um. I don't know. I guess the point was he, he he's not level-headed, you know, because mm -hmm. then he eggs on the whole group and everybody leaves like a bunch of crazy people mm -hmm. um, into their trucks and they're armed. And then the, the reverend is outside just walking by, I guess, on the sidewalk <laughs> yeah. um, and, and tries to stop everybody who's like yeah. on the street. 
and saying, don't go, don't do this. Because um, you guys are, yeah. Because you guys are what? No, no, I was about to say something, but it would have been a spoiler, so. Oh, okay. But It reminded me, you know yeah. what this scene reminded me of? Um, is It's pretty much the same thing. Is I think it was Halloween 4. They pretty much did the same thing. Do you remember that, Jeremy? Anybody? It sort Jeremy of rings a does. bell, yeah. Where they, For... they rile up the... It's the oh, same yeah. situation. They, they all come hunt. out of the bar. And, yeah, um, they're in the bar, and then they go out in their trucks, right. and then they try to find Michael, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they... Instead, <laughs> so they kill some other guy who was just... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was it's one there. of my favorite scenes, personally. It's what, it, I don't know. There's just something funny about it. They just start shooting blindly at a guy... Um, at this gazebo, and then the guys yeah. they see it's not Michael, and mm -hmm. he's like, "You said, you said you saw Myers, you know, you dumb <laughs> son of a bitch." <laughs> that is a funny part. I do, but then like they just murdered somebody. Should they be getting in trouble? Right. Nah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. not, and then he blames that guy. It's like, okay, nobody told you to shoot, you know? Right. Yeah, but they just anyway, kind of went at it and. Yeah. yeah, we're we're we're. I, but, I hope everybody knows we're not talking about the same movie anymore. Uh, yeah. Okay. But no, the fact that you said that—that that, uh, it is a very similar situation. Right. That they were right. just in. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, the the reverend's trying to stop everybody from leaving. They don't listen. Um. Well, and, and to, your, to your point about how the the father was was being like a little well how you didn't buy his his whole plea and his appeal like it was weird the the sheriff's reaction too because it was like instant like oh yeah okay like what have i done you guys are right kind of that's how i felt about it no you're like that is true too because he kind of just gave into it yeah it's like okay whatever i just give up whatever you guys go do whatever you want go find him yeah it's yeah. like he hung his head in in shame almost like oh my god mm -hmm. like all right you guys what a you made a great point by screaming my son's been ripped to pieces a million times <laughs> but one question i had in, with this scene is um so from their trucks they drive to the woods and uh what why is the murder out in the woods? Like everyone's been killed yeah. in, in the town. <laughs> well, that is just, all, just that's to go back also a little very bit, good. Before we get into the woods, I think the only reason I can think of with what Jeremy just said is, you know, he probably just backed down because he's just being respectful, you sure. know? Um, but, but I agree with you, you know, that, I thought that that could have been done better. That scene. It's um, it's like it was pretty much one against what twenty, thirty guys in that bar. He was literally like the only officer in there. So like, they I think would literally was the deputy in there at that time. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Either way, it was like two, if that, against twenty. Yeah. Like you right. said. So he's just um, like, I can't stop these guys. They're going to do whatever they want. Well, sure. and here's here's this is a good point. You know, and I know that we don't need to get into deep analyze, analysis here. Um, at this point, though, if you're having, I mean, how many killings is this now? Like four, at least? It was the guy and at now, the beginning. Now it's it was a like killing four. of a, a child. 
There's three, I think. There, there would be much more yeah. law enforcement involved at this point. It wouldn't just be the town. It would be state <laughs> law enforcement. It would be federal law enforcement. You I know? mean, yeah, it's the same thing with Michael Myers, like how many people he was going after, but it was still just the town <laughs> cops going... Okay, guys, let's get well, this. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, though, to defend Halloween, he killed like an entire police station. But he did. He, he eventually did. Yeah. So, That's true. So yeah, but, but at you're that right. point, yeah, they did. At least in Halloween, though, they did bring in state officials. But he killed everybody. He did. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's the span yeah, of so, time for sil- all the silver bullet killings? Is this like over the course of like a week? Like- I, the film starts uh, about a month before, sometime in May, about a month before school lets out, and it ends on Halloween. Oh, that's okay. right. Yeah, it's yeah. like five okay. months. Okay, that's a that's a long time, actually. It mm-hmm. really is. So anyway. Um, so yeah, the, all the, the militia is leaving the bar, and then like Damon said, they go to the park. See, but it, you mentioned the, isn't that where Brady was killed? That's why they go there? Uh, it seems to me that, that the they, same place. They, they go to, out to the woods slash to like a marsh area. Yeah. Um, or maybe they started in the park, and then they, they, I think they, they started got into... To, but yeah. eventually the, the whole, the big big group eventually gets whittled down to smaller groups and then one smaller group is sort of um this is they encounter some fog and so um this kind of uh is where we'll do some split screens where we did a film called the beast of bray road where we borrowed heavily from this film (laughs) from this exact scene as far as uh, how they do their their uh um killings because I, when I was a kid, I thought this was the coolest scene I've ever, ever seen. Mm-hmm. They focus I mean, on... Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Go uh, ahead. Uh, uh, just remarking Damon quick, like when he said it was the coolest scene, like even like I've heard people say, just by uh, reviews in the past, like this scene like traumatized kids or like, like childhood and then they actually made them love the movie later on. Well, they focus on two groups. There's the group of like five or six people, and then there's a, a pair of people. Um, one guy gets his foot on, stuck in a trap. Um, Did anybody else feel the, bad for that guy? <laughs> like, I don't know what the point of that scene was, honestly. I, I they never showed either. them again. He's no. still out there. I think it was. Yeah, just, he still is. It still, was to show. Still is to demonstrate that the fog was making it hard to see. It's it's the fact that the guy's like, just let the bear trap go. He's like, ah, he's still in pain. <laughs> I know somebody yelled, and then he, I guess that made him knee jerk react to letting it yeah. go, and snapped it on him again. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I saw that, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> the yeah. pain just kind of like went right by, past me. And then they show the group that Damon was talking about, the group of like five or six people. It consists of the bartenders there with his bat. Um, there's like an older couple there, one guy who's kind of fearful. And that was that, lemonade. He said that lemonade line. <laughs> the that, um, Which Derek thought then, was an original joke that I made. 
Yeah. <laughs> it uh, was, yeah. The, the lead militia guy was with them, and then a couple other people. Um, and that's when they, uh, they're in the heavy fog, and they start being taken down one by one. Um, it was Levels kind of were... disturbing how the werewolf takes the bat from the guy. <laughs> like, like, hits the guy I with I thought it? that was disturbing, you know? A little bit. Um, I thought the disturbing part... he's using his weapon oh, against him, you yeah. know? Um, it's also an instance of a very, very fake-looking human head that's being held up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The part when that one guy who was, like, really, like, freaking out, that skinnier guy, like, he got dragged down... Then you see him come up again, but like half of his face was like missing. Right. That that was actually kind of freaky. I think um, the cho choice to have the werewolf use a weapon was a little silly. Well, and the way they showed it too, I, I, you know, the, the arm, something about the motion of it just looked really fake. The, the yeah. arm looked fake. I, that was bizarre. <laughs> Look, I could be yeah. completely wrong about this because I've I've never seen like really looked in the werewolf stories and all that stuff. But like when somebody turns into a werewolf, is it supposed to be like they they don't remember anything that goes on when they are a werewolf, or they still have some intention of being able to? I, it can it, it can vary depending on the story. Some okay. do, some don't. Yeah, a werewolf probably won't have opposable thumbs. Yeah. Well, and according to this story, though, and I'm not gonna—I'm not giving any spoilers away, but didn't they say it? It depends on the intensity of the full moon. Mm -hmm. When the they moon did. is completely full, the yeah. werewolf is one most powerful, but two most away from its human counterpart. That's what uh, Uncle Red said. I think later on. Okay. Like. I think he referenced something very similar to that when he was talking to Marty. So, and then if I remember correctly, back in that fog scene, uh, is it assumed that everybody's killed? Because they didn't show everybody get killed. No, I think just that party of people got killed. Because okay. otherwise it would have been like like the whole, half the town was slaughtered, you know? Well, I, so oh that, yeah, I didn't mean the, the whole town. I meant that group. So yeah. it's assumed that that group was all killed because they didn't show the whole group get killed. Like the right? leader. They that, didn't show like that, that older couple. The man and the, the older woman. couple that was freaking out, the bigger guy and then the wife. Right. The old man yeah. who almost peed his pants. Yeah. They didn't show him get killed, right? No, they were running out. Okay. From what I last think when they last showed him. And the woman, uh, that was his wife, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I okay. think so. And then the leader, like the main guy who was, did he get out? Because he was with them when that all happened. That's right. I don't, I don't know if they showed him die either. Yeah. But we never saw him again. But right? then again, when they, they we're going to, there's that next scene that's right after this, I believe, that you'll mention about the funeral for him. Yeah. So then we go to the, there's a funeral scene of the, uh, whoever all the victims were, there was like four coffins. What yeah, were you so going to say about that, Derek? It was it was pretty much like that. When you mentioned the number, I'm like, there was more than four people in that group, so not all of them died. Yeah, maybe they had a couple bodies per coffin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <Saving money. laughs> it's like, oh, there's just pieces, you know. Let's <laughs> put this in there. You know, yeah. 
save money. <laughs> this is overwhelming for the, the coroner, you know. This would be a lot of work. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, we, we have that funeral scene. Um, and then it's kind of like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm assuming that that funeral occurred, but then it ends up turning into a dream sequence. And it, yeah. it's, I thought was that was a very well done scene. I thought that was one of the better scenes in the movie, how they did that with the effects and everything. Um, yeah. people no, you're in right. The, it did, it did mend yeah, there into was like no, a dream sequence. There was sequence. no transition, yeah. really. It just went right from what we thought was reality to a dream. People start yeah. turning into werewolves. The, the Brady's father turns into a werewolf. The sheriff turns into a werewolf. Pretty much everybody. So um, that probably didn't actually happen. So it's like, obviously it's in, yeah. Interesting. I didn't think. Yeah. I don't know when the reality ended and when the dream began, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the person having the nightmare is the Reverend. He wakes up in bed screaming. Um, and he says, screams, uh, let it end dear God. Uh, anything else to add to that scene? Uh, this is when you begin to suspect um, that the Reverend may not be uh, a man of God. Yeah. Did anybody think like his build up to that point was a little shallow? Like, okay, it was kind of rushed because he wasn't really involved that much up to at least that point. He was just like in a few scenes and then he was all of a sudden boom. I did after this scene. Though, I, I did notice that the, whenever the Reverend is shown, uh, he's got more and more like growth on it for like a tiny little bit of a beard. Like he's sort of given up shaving. Oh, I didn't. Even I, notice I'm that. a little. I'm yeah. a little questioning of where. Where did you get that idea, Damon? That he was turning away from God. I didn't get that. Uh, just when I, when I watched the movie, I, there's something wrong with this guy. You know, he he wakes up in a cold sweat and says, "Let it end, dear God." You know, obviously there's something wrong with him. Okay. Well, yeah, like um, at that point, like if like you were suspecting, like this was either affecting him so much, or like yeah, like maybe he is the actual monster. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Where was I? Okay, now we, we realize that things are really getting serious. The whole town is under curfew now. Um, you know, they just show the, the main family, the, the Marty's family driving through the town. Nobody's out, you know. It's, uh, it's the 4th of July at this point. Oh, is that what that was? With the festival yeah. fireworks being canceled? Yeah, yeah. That was one question I had. Was that whole festival canceled or just the fireworks? I would imagine probably everything because it looked like the town was almost vacant at that point. Right. They were, there's a curfew or whatever going on. Well, it said, it said on the sign fireworks canceled, not the festival. Yeah, so they were like, pretty why vague. Would they, why they would should've... they have the festival, but not the fireworks, you know, but I'm sure the whole thing was probably canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Well, during the day, like most of these murders took place during the night, right? Yeah. No, except mm -hmm. the kid, the, the except the that was during the day, right? When he was murdered flying the kite. So, yeah. So technically, one was during the day. You know, that's a good point. I mean, 
I thought the werewolf was only out at night. So the first two were at night. And then the one when he was flying the kite, that was during the day. Unless he was um, out unless, there that part, unless flying was, the kite that late. Well, Jeremy said, I think that, I think that was Jeremy, that he was really into that. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the zone yeah. with the kite. He would have been flying that thing for like three or four hours, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as people who really have never flown kites very often, maybe we don't know how addicting it can get. True. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you guys know that I'm joking. (laughs) All right. Um, You are? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so am I. But okay. no, that's actually a good idea before we go in and like maybe he was there that long and then it was getting towards right. the evening and then well, that, he came out and yeah. Yeah, that's a good, I didn't even think of that, Derek, that it was daylight still, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise what explanation would there be? Because they had always yeah. been night killings, you know. Um. Okay, so yeah, the town's under curfew, everything's canceled. Um. This was a bit of an odd scene, I thought. I, I was I did not think that Marty was taking all these murders. He was taking them very easily. Like his best friend was just brutally killed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's seemed not bothered at all. There. Not as bothered um, as you would think, but he was more bothered by the fact that those fireworks Kansas. Yes, <laughs> it was. I know Which that was, was a weird. That's that's kind of where I was going with this because then he has that conversation with his uncle again. Uncle Red is doing something in the garage, and they're just he's talking. building the new. He's he's Uncle Red is is. Uh, well, we don't up. we don't know that yet. You got to wait for that, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to save that. Um, it's coming up. Anyway. But but Marty basically goes into oh my god my life sucks right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like he, everybody's dying Rips around fireworks. you. You know the <laughs> town is in grief, and you're complaining about your girlfriend left town, and the fireworks are canceled. Well, that's, that's why he's. That's why he kind of jumped in. Is like man, the, uh, my girlfriend's gone because of this thing and this fireworks. But my buddy, he's he's dead. But that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. The fireworks right. was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. <laughs> right. Maybe that was his way of coping. It was like this, this, the yeah. normalcy of a traditional yeah. 4th of July fireworks show. And now you can't even get that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then that's when we see that uh, Uncle Red unveils the the new wheelchair, Silver Bullet 2.0. Um, and it's a pretty intense vehicle. It's pretty much a three-wheeled motorcycle, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had like a um, two to three minute scene of him just driving down the road with the thing. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. Yeah. Like that montage was so out of place in this, I felt <laughs> from everything else. Like, like what the hell are we watching now? <laughs> I just, well, uh, I don't. I was thinking about the legality of all that. I, I, you can't, 
He has no license. He's just kind of driving on the actual roadways with the thing. Even Skip. the first wheelchair, I don't think would have been allowed to <laughs> right. ride on. Like, like he literally, like on that driving scene of him using it, he literally cut it in front of a car. Yeah, he passed. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna go faster than this. Right. <laughs> well, it was the seventies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Red, um, Red, we should say too that Red has built him this this new bike out of fear that Marty could be a victim. And so if he has this faster bike, he can escape the murderer. Did he say that? No, that, I mean, that's, that's what, as far as when I watched it is like, what why, was why he did it. Yeah. Why he did it. Okay. Uh, okay. And then they have a barbecue in the backyard. Um, well, I tell you, after ever pork tart and, tart dinner, I hate, they 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 unveil the wheelchair to the family they see it you know they they i don't know i'm sure the mom would have put this together but the uncle red says you know keep it a secret with how fast it goes um i'm sure you'd put that together just seeing the engine that's on it um yeah that's very true like look and at the it, size it of this probably thing. like 300 pounds you know so. Didn't have like stacks in the back or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the exhaust. It yeah, had exhaust like motorcycle thing. exhaust. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it looks perfectly. It's fine. It's fine. Right. Yeah. No helmet. <laughs> no license. Uh, um, yeah. And he's eleven. Well. Right. I get. I had a go kart when I was little, so I guess. But. No, I mean that's not to like take it off course, but my niece, she's. She started driving like professional, like actually real, like go kart racing at the age of mm. five, and she still races till this yeah. day. So mm. they start. Yeah, they can start really that, young. You can. Yeah, I yeah. was young too when I was doing that, mm -hmm. um, but I was wearing a helmet. Yeah. Um, he's already paralyzed. Um, yeah. And then. Uh, they never really said why he was paralyzed, did they? He just said he just is. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> what, what's so funny, Jeremy? No, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> go, keep going. I just no. What's funny? Okay. No, no. Oh, that I is was a laughing good at point. your comments about like, like oh, it doesn't matter if he gets. Are you saying it doesn't matter if he gets in an accident because he's already paralyzed? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that what you were implying? No, oh, okay. my point was he's already paralyzed. Like, yeah, he doesn't need any more. Right. Okay, no, that's okay, a, that's gotcha. actually a really interesting like that you mentioned that. Like he's already paralyzed. You want to keep him as safe as possible. Right. Well, let's give him these injured <laughs> these wheelchairs that drive on the road. <laughs> and he could get killed. <laughs> anyway. Um Okay, let's see. Oh, and then um after the barbecue, um, Uncle Red has to go get going, and then he gives uh, Marty some fireworks now, secretly. I said I had some again. I I, you do to me, that that's not. Maybe that's how people <laughs> are in rural areas, but I mean, give a bunch of dangerous fireworks to an eleven-year-old. I thought that part was kind of random, honestly. When he I did that, like, oh, here's a bag full of fireworks. Have fun, kid. And then, right. I don't know. Right. Um, I had access to high-powered fireworks when I was like around 11 and 12. So, yeah, I think it could happen. 
Okay, well, then again, Fourth of July weekend, he couldn't go to the, see the fireworks. So here's wait make a minute, your own, no. have your own. What, there, what do you mean you had access? Where you could get to them or you were given them? Given them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Another and you fired thing, them off yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, we'd go to a friend's backyard and throw, we'd throw bottle rockets at each other. I will, I will attest to that because uh, my brother <laughs> and my dad like used to have a bunch of them in the basement and we let them off in the middle of our street. We got in trouble a couple of times. And in high school, my buddy Nick would used to buy all that stuff to set them off all over the place in the neighborhood. He even threw some at me. <laughs> so yes, I will attest that people do that stuff. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Jeremy, before? Uh, yeah, it was a little unrelated to what we were talking about, but but going back to the party, the, the the Fourth of July party they were having at the house, were we supposed to get like have the impression now that Uncle Red is cleaned up, like not drinking anymore? Kind of like the mom kind of forgave him a little bit more. Yeah, and like you don't see him really behaving in that way and like having drinks, and it just yeah, seems like the vibe. Scene better yeah there's a scene where Cho's red in bed and he's with there's a new woman and who he's in bed with and so maybe that kind of shows like maybe he's turning over a new leaf he's got in a new relationship and stuff like that uh. yeah, yeah i I, d I didn't get that impression but um they definitely it seemed like the relationship was getting better it between was, yeah. the sister and him um, he was being more accepted into the family, even though he's still the same dangerous influence given the fireworks, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, okay, so yeah, then he gives him those fireworks. Um, then that night, we see Marty, he sneaks out of his bedroom on the second floor, climbs out the window, climbs down this... I don't know what that was. Um, it wasn't a trellis. Um, but he climbs down that, has the wheelchair waiting for him. Um, and uh, he, he, he leaves. He takes off with the fireworks. Um, he goes to this park, which I thought was a neat, neat park. I, I, I kind of would like to know where they filmed that. Um, he goes on this bridge that's over, uh, like a river, and he starts shooting off the fireworks. Um, Random thought, not, um, you think the parents would have heard him leave? Oh, absolutely, with how loud that thing was? Yeah, that's why I was like, they didn't hear that? Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. was going to mention that. I thought I that right away when I saw that scene i'm like they didn't hear right. him leave there's no that way he thing could quietly is so leave. loud yeah it's like yeah. a lawnmower engine you know right. with how loud it is um but anyway you know and and just another comment that i that i thought of is i get that kids want to have fun and they don't recognize danger a lot or they don't think that they're at risk but he knows how 
dangerous it is right now. I mean, people are dying left and right in the town, and he goes out by himself to, one, light off the fireworks, but then he's out there knowing that there's a murderer out somewhere. I, I didn't think he was taking it very seriously. This, no, that's, this, that's a good point. Whole thing. Um, so yeah, he's shooting off the fireworks. Um, we see that the werewolf is in the area and he is watching from a distance. Um, and then um, the werewolf is, is on one end of the bridge starts confronting Marty and uh, you know, Marty finally sees him. Um, he happened to be lighting or maybe he, what kind of firework was that that he had? I don't know fireworks. Does anybody know? I don't know. Projectile. It might've been like a bow rocket or something. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, I think that was like the last one that he had. Um, and he lights that up and because I don't think he could get his wheelchair started. Um, so he comes up with the idea to light the firework and shoot it at the werewolf. And it, it is successful. It ends up flying into his eye. Yeah. Um, and that uh, then he's able to start the wheelchair and, and get out of there. So he, he dodges that, that danger. One little thing that I want to make a comment of that bothered me. I really don't like how he just dumped all the firework garbage in the river. Yeah, he just kind of like kind of tossed. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. what the hell's that? You know? <laughs> Obviously doesn't care about the environment. No, no. <laughs> Yeah. Hey. No, I, I, I hear you. No, I noticed that too. Like, I'm like, okay, let's just. Yeah, you just. I mean, back then, kids just, probably just, don't care. He just goes like this. He just tosses it over the railing. Yeah. I mean, um, back then, kids like that didn't think about that stuff. They just don't care. So, I don't know. Uh, and then was that about it with that scene? It's, did anybody else want to add anything to that? The the firework going into the eye. Mm -hmm. He had good aim. Right. Really good aim. <laughs> Yeah. Especially for seeing that thing at night. Were there lights around that park? I don't remember. But like, Other than the, the light from the firework. The moonlight, maybe, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and then, I, so I think the next scene, um, I might have skipped something, but I think the next scene was the next day, um, Marty talks to Jane about this. This incident, and um, clearly unbelievable. And she is on board with it. You know, she she believes him. And so they come up with a good plan. I thought it was a good plan. To she goes around under the pretense of collecting recyclable items, mm -hmm. um, soda cans and bottles. And so um, Hello, they know that uh, they need to be looking for somebody with an eye injury now. Yeah. And um, she goes around to all the townspeople and their homes and their businesses. And I thought there was a funny scene where 
she was really committed to this where she like takes a hot towel off the guy's face in the barber yeah. shop. Yeah. She needs he wasn't to too make happy sure. About that. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> she needs to make sure that she gets everybody. Yeah. Um and then she ends up not really discovering who it is. Um this can drive is being done by the church. So she comes to drop off all the the cans um, back at the church and she's talking to the reverend just saying she's got him and all that. He's, I don't know, is he like gardening? I think so. Yeah, stooped down. He's, he's, yeah, he stooped away from her doing some gardening. Yeah, his yeah, back is to her. Yeah, because at that point, like she got to the reverend's place, but that's when she kind of say, oh, my brother's stupid. He doesn't know yeah. what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and she does not look at him directly. Um, she goes to the garage to drop off the the cans, and um, she's uh, unloading them in there. And there's like big piles of cans in there. And um, I think what was it? A rat? Was it a rat yeah. that was that, that popped up and scared her? She fell into the cans. And then she got up and saw kind of underneath a little bit. She saw the that peacemaker bat that I mentioned mm -hmm. that belonged to the bartender. And it had big teeth marks in it. Yeah. Um, and then the reverend walked in. And uh, she saw that he has a, a patch over his eye. And she realized that that it's him. He's the, the guy. Um, did you guys, what did you guys think of that scene? Did, it, does, does, at that point, does, does he know that she knows it's him? I don't, I don't, uh, we were talking about the connection, like how much, how aware is he when he is the werewolf, you know? I think I don't, he, he knew. There is a, because the way he was talking to her, like, okay, she knows something. And the fact that, yeah. Like, she was very suspicious of it. And then, so, yeah. So she gets out of there. Um, and, um, and then, let's see. And then her and Jane, or he and Jane have the discussion that it's him. Um, and uh, they, they kind of think about, like, how to approach that. They, they they say that you know it would pretty much be pointless to talk to the adults about it they won't believe this um, so then they come up with the plan which may have been new at that time I don't know but they come up with the plan that's been done over and over where you 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 cut out letters from magazines and make like this serial killer type letter Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and he sends it to the pastor or the reverend, saying, "I don't remember what it said word for word, but it's like we know who you are. It's like it's no you kill did. yourself. Yeah, you should kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you kill yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they sent a couple of those. I think they sent. Mm -hmm. They sent like, like three. over like a yeah, like three day span. Yeah. Um, I was not expecting that. 
expecting more. To do it like, that way. Like, yeah, like that, especially the content. Like it's pretty <laughs> blunt. <laughs> yeah. To kill yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. Okay, and then they they Jane and Marty then talk to the Uncle Red about this new discovery that they know that it's the reverend he still does not believe them um he thinks they're crazy um but then he does play along they do go to the church he drives them to the church to kind of watch the reverend he was like making some charity display um i think that's what it was um he was painting something outside. And uh, I, I think that's kind of where it ended there with that scene that they, it's, they're suspicious of him. Yeah. Well, the kids, the kids know it's him, but the, the uncle is suspicious, but he's not convinced. He's not convinced yet. that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think the next scene um, is Marty watching a baseball game. Is that yeah. the next scene? Yeah, he's watching a baseball game, and uh, the priest is watching Marty in his car. They had a scene where I think their point of it was that he was uh, feeling depressed that he can't do the things that the able-bodied people can do because he was watching them play baseball. Um, yeah, and the shots were like of their feet right. on the field. Right, you know, right. Their legs. Right. And then, like Damon said, the, the, the reverend rolls up in his car. He's watching him. And then um, and then that led to a scene I was a bit surprised by. I didn't expect there to be a chase. Um, but he he's following him on the road. Marty's going home in his, in his motorcycle wheelchair. And um, the reverend's trying to run him off the road trying to kill him. Um, they get to a bridge and tries to run him off through the guardrail. It doesn't work. He turns around like two or three times to, to hit him, um, but he dodges it every time. And then they end up driving down this like abandoned road where there's a condemned bridge. It's a covered bridge. Um, the car got stuck in the mud for a little bit so he was able to lose him for a while and um but there had been there had been moments where the car and the motorcycle made contact he dented the fender and um that's important later on um but then uh marty gets stuck in the covered bridge he can't get over this bump um plus i think the engine stalled um, the reverend comes over to him. He knows he's in there. He, he gets out of the car, walks into the bridge, um, starts talking to him, essentially justifying why he killed some of the people. He justified why he killed the suicidal woman, um, saying that suicide is the greatest sin. I killed her so that her eternal life will go on. Um, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because it's, it's like 
okay, but murder isn't a bad thing. Right, it's it's still mm-hmm. the same thing that he's, he's doing. He's murdering all these people. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. he acts like he's right to do this. I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments. You know, you shall not kill. So I thought he's that still was doing like, it. I thought that, yeah, that was like wh- the lamest attempt at justifying any of this. Plus, mm. it doesn't even need to be justified. You know, mm. I mean, that's what werewolves do. They just kill. Right. Right. Um, it does give some insight, though, into what he does experience then as the wolf, though. So he has he does remember what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah that's what we we're talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then it's it's you know it was kind of getting uh to be a uh kind of the end it almost seemed like Marty's going to die then f- luckily this farmer drives off on a tractor and Marty knows him he calls out his name and uh he gets the attention of the farmer and the the reverend kind of backs away from the scene and 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 slowly creeps out of there and the farmer saves his life so that was a Spooky that there. was lucky mm-hmm. otherwise he would have he would have killed him right oh there. yeah he would have been dead right there yeah yeah that's when you really notice his uh overgrowth of his beard mm-hmm. so uh, then marty and uh jane they both have silver necklaces uh, and they ask um well wait Uncle wait Ryan. you're skipping you're skipping you're skipping part here they meet with uncle red in the driveway and that's when red really starts to recognize that the reverend is involved here because he sees the paint transfer from oh, his yeah. car to the, on the fender own, damage yeah. so he knows that his car was involved in trying to run him off the road yeah because he was um, asking like what color the car was and like that's right. the same color here on the bike and then the sheriff they they talked to the, the uncle red has a meeting with the sheriff um and he tells him those concerns just like red didn't believe it neither does the sheriff but the sheriff is at least willing to look into the the reverend. So he goes to the church, kind of just snoop around at night. Um, and uh, he goes into the garage. He sees the car. And he sees that there is damage consistent with what Red told him. Um, then he goes into a, a like a little room off into the garage and the reverend comes out of nowhere just from the shadows and um, confronts him. I don't remember if he said anything meaningful. Does anybody remember if he said anything meaningful? Not that I recall. Yeah. Um, the sheriff pulls out his gun and um, they start just talking a little bit. It becomes pretty heated quickly and physical. And um, if I remember right, I think the... What did the werewolf hit him with? Was it the bat? 
the same one, the Peacemaker one, or a different one? It, it probably was the same one because that was in that pile with the cans. Yeah. Yeah, so that Peacemaker bat came back and um, he hit him really hard over the head. He had a horrible head injury. Oh, that was and, pretty bad. I'm surprised he was able to, like, actually, like, look at things. Right. Been, right. Like, he, did, he didn't look good. Yeah. No. Um, so he was killed. Um, and, and, then they moved on. Um, then they have the meeting the next day, Marty, Jane, and Red talking about how they sent the sheriff to look into it, and now nobody knows where he is. Um, and, uh, that's when they have the, they offer the, the jewelry, the necklace and the crucifix. They're made of silver and they give it to Red to, to have it melted down to make a silver bullet. That was um, convenient. They just yeah. happened to have silver things. <laughs> <laughs> Is there... Is there anything else to that scene anybody wants to add with the park and, you know, offering the jewelry? No, but the, um, the next scene when it shows the silversmith forging the bullet, it's a pretty cool montage, I thought. He confirmed mm -hmm. the high-grade silver content of my... Shows that he puts a lot of craftsmanship into, into making it, you know, as good as, as well as he can it make it. silver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they had a uh, an odd conversation between Red and the the silversmith or blacksmith. It sounded like he knew exactly what that was being made for. Yeah, that's an impression I got. Was that he he kind of knew that they were making it for a werewolf. Yeah. And then uh, then we go to kind of setting up the ending here. They, they arrange the parents to go out of town on a little romantic getaway. And it's um, Halloween. That's right, yes. It's Halloween now. Um, Uncle Red says that he won a trip from Publisher's Clearinghouse, and he gives it to them because um, he doesn't have a girlfriend anymore. Um, well, that was quick. <laughs> what was quick? <laughs> He was sleeping with a woman in that one scene, and it's like, no, no, she's gone. <laughs> well, that's why, I mean, I didn't say it at the time, but I don't think yeah. him being with that woman is any indication that he's No, he was, probably just, he was probably just yeah, sleeping with her, and then that's about it. I mean, that could have been an arranged payment type situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Uncle Red. <laughs> anyway... Um, so yeah, they go out of town, and 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 Marty kind of puts it together that this was not uh, coincidence. He knows that Red arranged this this thing. Um, so then they come up with the plan to they're gonna lure the werewolf to them because they know that the werewolf is looking for Marty and Jane. Um, so they're in the living room in the house. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And um, nothing's happening, um, and they're starting to think that nothing is going to happen. They're saying it's getting to be dawn soon. Um, this is too much. You know, this this is 
this is pointless. Um, but that's when, and, and we do start seeing the hand again. We know the werewolf is nearby. He's touching the siding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, this, we, Jane did see the, the werewolf. He appeared in the window briefly. She was the only one who saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, you know, I think they, that Red said, oh, you're just seeing things or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he, did he take the bullet out? Yeah, he does. Okay. Out of like frustration, he's like, okay. kids are getting to bed right now. I'm done yeah. with this nonsense. And the bullet drops onto the floor and falls into a grate. Well, wait, wait, that, did that happen yet? I thought the electricity gets pulled next. And that's why it gets dropped. So either way, the electric gets pulled, the werewolf pulls the cords, and they're in the dark. And then the, you know, they, they're freaking out, of course. The the uncle kind of is saying, hey, this doesn't mean anything yet. It just means there's no electricity. But that's when the werewolf just busts through the wall. Um, <laughs> and I think, is that when it goes in the, the, the vent? Yeah, I think he's trying to put, he try, when he sees the werewolf, he tries to load the, the pistol. And then it, you know, rolls on the ground, falls in the vent, and it looks like, you know, utter disaster. Right. For some reason, I had like a, a image in my head of the werewolf just busting through the wall like the Kool-Aid guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, there was, for me, there was a suspense here of just the situation of the fact that you can't miss, you know? Yeah. If you miss, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You just know? got one. Um, and the way he was so... I thought he was kind of clumsy the way he was handling the gun. You know, he's like waving it around. And <laughs> there, it, it, there's two kids in the room. He's waving the gun around. And I'm pretty sure at that time the gun was, was loaded with the bullet in the correct chamber for it to be fired. Um, and he's waving it around. And then, you know, he had fallen asleep. He wakes up startled. The gun just drops on the floor. It could have went off right then. Right. Um, and, and Marty mentioned that. Um, I thought they needed to be way more careful with the gun. I, again, you only have one chance to kill this thing. Right. You can't miss. Mm-hmm. If the bullet misfires, you're all dead. There is no other way of killing this thing. Right. You know? So they needed to be really careful. But I thought that was a good... It added su- some suspense. They never really mm-hmm. said it necessarily but you can as a viewer you can see all this yeah you knew that that you know you you have to you have to hit it you know you Mm -hmm. can't you can't screw this up um so anyway so the yeah the werewolf busts down the wall gets into a a fight with the uncle they kind of go back and forth the bullet rolled into the vent marty's trying to get it jane intervenes she kind of gets involved hits the werewolf with something i don't remember what um you know and then pretty much while marty is getting trying to get the bullet the werewolf goes back and forth between jane and the uncle with fighting them off 
you know, the uncle kind of hits him, I think, with a fire poker mm -hmm. um, and just stuff like that. And then finally, um, Marty does get a hold of the, the bullet and has the gun, puts it in the chamber, and just as the werewolf's about to attack them, he fires into the other eye, the one that was not hit before with the firework. And then the werewolf just kind of drops back into the corner and he's, he's, he, he's dead. Mm -hmm. At least they, you know, they think. Um, and then, you know, they have a moment of, of, you know, we can relax now it's over. Um, then the, the, the werewolf starts turning back into the reverend, which I thought was really well done. I was really impressed by um, those effects, for, especially for that time. I yeah. thought that looked pretty real. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was, it was good how they did it. It, was, it wasn't like really like quick or anything, but it was like you could see it like on the hand and all that stuff pretty slow and transitioning back. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. I mean, that didn't look like computer, computerized. Well, they're using dissolves. Uh, between each frame. Yeah, between each. Uh, so they, they just did, you know, shot him in various states of being the werewolf and just used the time to, or the dissolves to make it appear as though he was changing. Yeah. Back. It reminded me, the way they did that, it reminded me of one of my favorite scenes from Christine... When, have you guys seen that movie? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorites, where the car is regenerating and fixing itself. Mm -hmm. I thought that was it's very similar. Um, and it, they did great with that, too. Christine, um, you said? Yeah, Christine about the car, okay. the killer car. Okay. It's another Stephen King story. Yeah, I never saw that one. Oh, it's great. You should see it. Yeah. Um, it's a John Carpenter movie. Okay. He directed it. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite horror movies. Um, so he's going back into the the Reverend, and then you know you can see that you know he's naked, um, and then his eyes are gone because they've been destroyed. One from the firework, one from a bullet. And then randomly, he just like has a jolt of, I don't know what that was, uh, residual life. Um, you know, he's got to do just one last. Yeah, yeah, one it's last never move. dead. You know, it's never actually dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though I don't think he was alive, I, it was like a, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, well, really, it was a jump scare. That was the whole point of it. But mm -hmm. from a plot standpoint, I don't know what that was. Um, and then, uh, that's, that's kind of the end. The, the three of them are sitting on the floor against the wall. And, uh, we do hear adult Jane's voice over one last time where she yeah. basically says, and then we were, you know, we were happy together, you know, we, cause the movie starts off with them being sort of enemies and now they're, they're healed and they're friends mm -hmm. and. Yeah. So, so Jack, I, I wanted to comment on that because I thought that was odd. I, you know, I even wrote down what she said. She said, 
you know, something about how I could tell Marty I loved him and I, I used to not be able to do that. And then he says, I love you too, Marty. Good night. I didn't get that. It left me wondering what happened to them? You know, are they not speaking to each other anymore? Uh, you know, I, I, what did you guys take from that? I thought that was handled oddly. I just, I think it was just trying, trying to point out that um, uh, this, she was retelling the story from, from the, you know, from the future and she's telling, you know, a past event. So she's just saying, this is how it was when, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, that's the way I at that, it. at that moment, not the, per at that time that she was speaking. Well, I'd like to know, you know, where is she now? You know, she kind of speaks as if they're estranged. Or Marty, like, isn't even around anymore. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. By that. Like, dead? Like... Well, yeah. maybe, well, maybe we'll make this into the next uh, Mysteries of the Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what about this, though? Why, why does she say goodnight? Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, like, good night. Like, good night. That's the dead. end of the tale. Good night, today. sweet prince. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> You're dead. Oh, that too. Like, <laughs> Maybe I, that left she's me... at the funeral. Tell, at the, that's, that's the eulogy she's giving at Marty's funeral. Some eulogy. Recounting the yeah. werewolf story and how that was the night that brought them closer together. <laughs> it was based this off of all a... speculation. <laughs> yeah. Stephen King novella called Cycle of the Werewolf. So maybe that's just how the story ended. You know, that's how Stephen King ended it. Because he did write the screenplay as well for this. Mm. Um, uh, well, and I, I'm also just thought it was odd that they kind of never really wrapped up the relationship with the uncle. You know? Uh, yeah. I he thought was it was there. very abrupt. Abrupt. It was an abrupt ending, yeah. yeah. He was there. They shared this moment together, but then they made that moment just about Marty and Jane. Mm -hmm. um, it, it left me wondering. It left <laughs> me wanting more. It, yeah. It left me... <laughs> well, it left I, have, I haven't seen a lot of like Stephen King's films. Like, do they, <laughs> a lot of those other ones end like that, too, like very abrupt. He he has a problem ending his stories. He does. Yeah. Okay. What what are you laughing at so much, Jerry? No, I just agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. Like it just, it was like okay, really? Like that's that's the ending. Like we're that's gone. what we get. <laughs> well, they had the you know the kind of the the very stereotypical freeze frame ending. Mm -hmm. You know, establishing mm -hmm. the the emotional moment like they did in a lot of those TV shows and movies at that time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not dropping this. I want to know what happened to her. You know, it's, it, is there any sequel to this? Go read the book, the short book. <laughs> or if Stephen King ever watches this, we want uh, another chapter. We want an answer, Stephen King. Well, <laughs> contact <laughs> Media Pod Smash now. You owe us, we, Derek. You you sound you're really getting official here. You're de this is a demand. This is know? a demand. This is, this is not a request. We watched your film, sir. We wasted an hour and a half of our lives watching your film. We want to know. 
<laughs> I can't relive the rest of my life not knowing. <laughs> so, so I'm a, there is no sequel. No, no. Okay, no. okay. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, um, that that kind of. It was just a, an odd thing. It it made it made it somehow a little deeper, for me. You know, it made me think. You know what happened to Jane? You know, why is she not in the town anymore? You know, uh, you know, I, I, obviously the situation has, has affected her to this point of her life where she's like talking about it. Right. Right. And, and again, where is Marty? And I'd like to know just what happened to him just anyway. I mean, you know, being in a wheelchair, what, what did he end up doing? You know, um, and again, what happened to the uncle? They just dropped him. Um, in that, <laughs> I was just happy he didn't die because I wanted him to live. So yeah, I'm glad too. I, yeah, I, I, I uh, that was my concern was, when that scene happened. I'm like, is he, he's not going to make it, is he? But no, he. he I, I don't. I don't get. I. I again, just going back to the good night thing. That <laughs> that I didn't get either. You know, I to me that doesn't necessarily indicate that Marty's dead. No, I have doesn't. never personally said goodnight to a deceased person. I mean, you know, me neither. But oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, I'm, just, okay. I'm just speculating. Completely Is that something that you've heard before, where people say goodnight to oh, yeah. a deceased person? I'm sure I've heard that before. Like people have said that in movies and stuff. Yeah. The only reason I could think of, kind of what I thought with the goodnight was that's why I thought it was a TV movie. I thought they were saying goodnight to the audience. You know, it's a, you know, that's it, everybody. Uh, this is your, uh, this is your bedtime story for today. Good night. I did not, close I didn't the think, get that. But it wasn't a TV movie, so that doesn't make any sense. No. You know. That would have been um, really bizarre if they just started addressing what, us. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what other reason is I don't there? Know. <laughs> it's just that's as bizarre why. to say it. Uh, you know? That's why it's worth a second watch. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, yeah, we have to watch it again. It yeah. was. It stuck with me, and it's going to stick with me. Jeremy, do you want to do the hell yeah and wrap up of everything? All right, so my, my hell yeah moment, I guess I'd have to say was probably the drunk guy getting decapitated. <laughs> the very first part? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> it's always nice to see a head go flying. Guess you're fired up for what's about to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, my hell yeah moment was when the fa Tammy's father got impaled. It's like, wow, he really, like, just somebody's in crippled place. You know, they have a disability. You just hate them? They're like a disease? Dude, you need to get out of there. And when he got killed, I was so happy. I was glad yeah. to get he got, got knocked out and torn apart, probably. <laughs> yeah. My hell yeah would be uh, definitely the fog sequence, for sure. And the fact that we were able to, to take that and make our own film out of it as well. Yeah, it was a good scene. I'd say mine was the the dream sequence the, in the, at the funeral, where people started turning into the werewolves. I thought that I thought that was pretty well done, both 
effects wise, but just the way they blended it into how you thought it was reality, but then it wasn't. Yeah. But they did a good job with that. And then the fact that you mentioned, like that we talked that, about that scene so much, made me think, oh yeah, they really, that was really like a dream sequence. So there wasn't like mm -hmm. a funeral for those people that were killed in the woods. He, right. just, he right. did the killing, so he had it in his mind already. Right. Yeah, we don't even know really if a funeral like that even occurred with the four mm -hmm. coffins. Right. Um, and one thing I just wanted to add, you know, um, Derek, you probably know that the narrator is was in The Walking Dead, right? I did not notice that. The yeah, she was, was... The, she was the... The, I forgot her name, but she was the one who was like the first leader of Alexandria. Really? Oh, that was her? Yes. Interesting. I didn't realize that. No. Do you remember her name in Walking Dead? She I was remember like her a, character name was Deanna, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's her. That That's cool. the woman. And she yeah. uh, also has been in uh, other coincidentally Law & Order episodes. That's your right. ultimate goal as an actor is to get on Law and Order. Is it? <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's, it, it just seems to happen for a lot of like. Uh, it does. I mean, they playing. do get a lot of high profile people. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy ratings. All right. Uh, I'll say. I'll give it four silver bullets out of five. I think it was. Pretty well done. I mean, there's a few minor things I could nitpick, like we have, but um, mostly it was like I, I really liked it overall. Yeah, I'll go with uh, four bottles of wild turkey. Out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with uh, four slashes out of five. So we're all in agreement. I'm saying four as well. I'll nice. say four. Slow motion heads flying. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely worth us. I really enjoyed this one, honestly. My like like what Jeremy said, there's like those nitpicky points like in most films. This one had it as well, but I was actually into it the entire time. There was never a dull moment where I'm like, oh, this is dragging on too much. Other than maybe mm -hmm. the scene, I guess, where he was driving down the road for like three minutes in his powered wheelchair, but <laughs> we were talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino earlier on, but uh, he actually has this on his list of best films of all time. Does he really? Yeah, if you look, Google it. This is one of his top films of all time. Yeah. I know I he had Back to the Future on that list, too. I remember him saying that. I thought there were a lot of um, well-done, like, cinematography shots they you know like showing the fog and mm -hmm. um you know just showing the town i thought they had some some really interesting shots i thought they did yeah. a good job it was well done yeah yeah even like when they were going around looking for the eyes like some of the scene like the shots when they were doing that were really cool where they'd get like really close up to everyone looking mm -hmm. and yeah Well, uh, I guess we should say goodnight, everyone. <laughs> I guess so. I guess <laughs> is, that that a reference, with... is that a reference to Jane? 
I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> we got to end it like how they ended the film. <laughs> oh, good night, everyone. And it was a lot easier to say <laughs> I love you after that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's been fun, everybody. Oh, yeah. Ricky Film Club off. Oh.